Without music, life would be a blank to me. Jane Austen. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. I am Ed, and today I'm sort of solo. I'm without Brian, but I'm not solo. I have a very special guest today. Uh, today I have assisting me as my co-host, my lovely wife, Tammy. Uh, thanks for coming on, Tammy. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So your quote was by Jane Austen, a very popular author, very, very popular, very influential woman as well. And why did you pick that quote? Um, well, it's just, it speaks to me because for me, um, music is part of my life. So I think, um, without music, it would just be a blank. It would, it would be nothing. It would be boring. <laughs> and I thought, I thought that Jane Austen hit it right on the head when she said it would just be a blank to her. So that's why I chose it. Excellent. I, I actually like the quote too, because I like to think sometimes, Music is kind of, you know, the soundtrack. It's like the soundtrack to your life, right? Like you can associate certain periods of your life with certain songs, right? Absolutely. Well, today we're going to talk about music and its influence. But although you do work with us on uh, getting this show together and behind the scenes, we're going to treat this almost like an interview, and I'm going to ask you some questions from our instinctive responses. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> they are fun, and this is just a way for the audience to get to know uh, to get to know you a little bit better. All right? Are you ready? Um, yep, as ready as I'll ever be. Now, you have not seen any of these questions. I uh, have five questions and you have no idea what's coming. So this will be very, very interesting. Yay. <laughs> and I believe in coming at you full, full force right away. So oh, no. if you could have any three people dead or alive over for dinner, who would they be? Um, okay. Dinner. First and foremost, I'd want to have dinner with my mom again. Um, she passed in 2009 and just to be able to talk to her again, hug her, anything with her would be amazing. So that would be first. Um, second, of course, would be Jane Austen. Why? Because she is a huge influence in my life. Um, I love all of her books. Her writing is phenomenal. Um, and I'm sure she would just have so much to say. Um, and third would be my grandma walls. Um, I loved my grandma so, so much. She left, um, she passed, I guess in, um, I think it was 85, 86, um, and I just didn't feel like I had enough time with her. Uh, so I would love to sit down and have dinner with my grandma one more time. Excellent. Now your grandma walls, is that your mother's? That's my dad's mother? mom. So it's the other side. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. All right. See, not, not difficult at all. Right. You came up that with wasn't those pretty too bad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This one's a little more challenging. Uh Oh, describe yourself as a teenager in three words. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I would say I was obnoxious. That's one word. Um, flirty. That would be another word. <laughs> um, I don't know what the third word would be. Um, 
Hmm. Obnoxious and flirty. <laughs> Maybe a nerd. I would say a nerd. Yeah. Yeah. There's the three words. Obnoxious, flirty, and a nerd. <laughs> wow. What a strange combination. That is a... For real. <laughs> that's a different combination than I expected for sure. But okay. Obnoxious, flirty, nerd. Yep. That would be it. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> I'd like to... I'd like to hear what your your sister has to say about those, but maybe later. <laughs> you're not allowed. No, you're not allowed to talk to her. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I'm going to give you a nice softball to, to, to knock out the park. Favorite okay. athlete. Yeah, that's that's a huge stumper right there. Um, there's so many I could choose from, but um, I would have to go with my, my absolute favorite. Um, and... That is, um, he's in the NHL. Uh, <laughs> his name is his name is PK Subban. Um, he used to play for the Montreal Canadiens, and now he plays for the Nashville um, Predators. Um, and you know, I'd, I'd say he's my favorite, not because of the way he plays, um, not because of the teams he plays for. Um, I find him very humble um, and he's very compassionate and caring. Um, he set up in Montreal, the, um, a children's charity, um, for the hospital in Montreal. And when he left Montreal and went to Nashville, he still maintained that charity in Montreal. He goes home, um, to Montreal and to Toronto as much as he can. And he still participates with the, the sick children, um, and the community. So he just, he gets it. He, yeah, he's absolutely my favorite right now. Oh, that's excellent. So do you mind if I ask, uh, you know, as far as being humble, what makes you think he's humble? Well, because he gets, he gets all of this recognition, but he doesn't let it go to his head. He's, he's just like, well, I'm, I'm human. I just, I do what I can. And, and, you know, since I'm in the spotlight, it's my job and my duty to do what I can to help everyone else. So don't thank me, just continue to support what I believe in. So that's how I find that he's very, very humble. Oh, excellent. All right. That's a good choice. Mm -hmm. I, I like the way he plays hockey as well. So uh, <laughs> good choice. All right. These next two are a little bit tougher. Uh-oh. Hardest physical event you've ever participated in. Look, you're asking me this and it's, I've got like 47 years on this planet. I got to think of the hardest <laughs> thing I've ever done. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't even know. Whew. Hardest thing you've ever done physically, like just wore you out physically. Yeah. I have no idea. I, I would have to think, do you know of something that I've done? <laughs> Like, I can't even think of the hardest thing. I can think of all of the different 5Ks I've done and helping people move and doing stuff at work, but it's not anything phenomenal. Like, it's just... Didn't have to be phenomenal. Just something physically. I mean, I could think of weekends where you spent bowling dozens and dozens of games when you were on a travel league. I can think of uh, your own half marathon that you you did at Fort Campbell walking it. Um, so, I mean, I could think of some things. Yeah. I don't know. I would say if, if I had to think right now, like do it, obviously, which I do is right now. Um, and you reminded me about the half marathon at Fort Campbell, I would have to say that's it. Um, 
anything else, like, I don't know. Maybe actually, you know what? The hardest physical thing I've ever done was coming back after knee surgery in 1992. I basically had to learn how to walk all over again with my one knee. Um, so yeah, I would say that's the hardest physical thing I've ever had to do was come back from my knee surgery. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. And, and listeners who have ever come back from something like a knee surgery or any kind of really serious injury or surgery, uh, I'm sure they'll understand, you know, the physical nature of it and how difficult it is. So yeah, that's a good one. That's a mm-hmm. good one. Thanks. All right. Uh, last question. Most influential musical band or performer? Most influential is going to have to be my favorite band, um, Duran Duran. And I don't, I say that they're, they're the most influential because no matter what mood I'm in, if I turn on Duran Duran, they can change my mood instantly. Um, it doesn't matter what song it is. It doesn't matter where I am. Um, if a Duran Duran song comes on, I'm happy. That's it. That's the, I just get like this bubbly joy. Like I'm a little high schooler all over again. And, you know, I'm in love with John Taylor and (laughs) it was all about Duran Duran. So, um, and you know, they've been around forever. Like they started in the seventies and they're still recording to this day. So we're talking what, like four decades. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, they've got to be doing something right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. They've got something figured out. They're still together and they don't hate each other's guts. A lot of those bands, they perform together and then they go their separate ways and they can't stand to be around each other. So exactly. And Duran Duran did that for a while in the nineties. Like they separated, um, Roger Taylor left and Andy Taylor quit. He went and started playing somewhere else. So it left three guys together. Um, and they formed Arcadia, but then they came back um, in the two thousands and, and all five members reformed. They went on tour. Um, I went and saw them on tour. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, uh, Andy Taylor ended up leaving again, but the other four, they're still all together. They're still playing, they're still recording. And so, I mean, to keep doing it for that long, um, that's a huge influence on me because, you know, they just, they're not giving up. They're, they're older, much older than they were when they, when they started, but they're still touring and they're still recording. So to have that drive and that passion, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me. And yeah, I love them. Okay. No, that's, that's excellent. So you're saying that you feel like that music can go hand in hand with altering a mood or the mood you're in. Is that what you're kind of absolutely all right. Yep. Absolutely. And so let's say, uh, Tammy is having a particularly bad day. She would probably throw on some Duran Duran to try Mm -hmm. to improve her mood. Uh, is there a particular song that you know would have be able to pull you out of a little small rut? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's either Rio or hungry like the wolf. (laughs) Okay. And what is it about those songs? What is it about them? It's just, it's, it's the synthesizer music in it and the beat. It just, yeah, it just picks me right up. Excellent. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree too. Cause I mean, I, I listen to a lot of music in the gym and um, I'm very a mood guy. So I'll go to the gym and I really will sit in the car before I go in the gym and just think about uh, what do I want to listen to today? What mood am I in? Is it going to be an R and B day? Is it going to be a uh, go-go music day? 
Uh, is it going to be something really hard and angry, some hard, angry M&M day? So I, I, I sit in the car and try to make these decisions before I go in the gym. So yeah, no, I agree. Right. And if, and if it's, if it's going to be a Taylor Swift day or right. a Katy Perry Listen, day. You didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Those. Well, it's all about music, yeah, there right? Are those days. So um, absolutely. <laughs> Do you play music at all? Um, you mean like instruments? Yeah. Do you play uh, a particular instrument or are you trained or anything like that? <laughs> um, I'm not professionally trained. I play uh, guitar um, and I learned I self-taught. I taught myself by reading tablature how to, to play. I'm not very good at it, um, but I enjoy it. Uh, also, when I was in um, grade six, uh, we, we had music class um, and I ended up playing violin so I played violin for the three years from um, sixth grade to eighth grade. Um, and then we also had an organ at home that I used to play. So, and not very good either. Like, you know, you memorize where your fingers go for like three different songs and that's about it. But um, yeah, no, I, to this day, I just, I play guitar. That's it. Um, Cause I enjoy it. I like the sound of it. You know, it, it is what it is. It's, it's soothing. I get frustrated because I don't know everything, but I still enjoy playing it. So, yeah. So when you play guitar, is that another method you can use to kind of alter your mood if you're having a particularly rough day? Absolutely. Um, sometimes it makes the day worse <laughs> because I'll choose a song that's kind of sad and depressing and it just, you know, it'll make me cry or something. And then I'll get up and I'll be like, I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but then other days, other days, you know, I'll pick it up and I'll play something like, um, what's the, there's one song that I play where I knock on the guitar. I can't think of it right now off the top of my head, but it makes me uh, feel Pearl really Jam, good. Last Kiss. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it totally changes my, my mood if I'm playing that song. So yeah, it's all right. Excellent. And, and so you self-taught, but what was your influence? Why, why did you decide to self-teach yourself why did you pick up a guitar um well this goes back to my childhood um my dad was a musician um he played in a country and western band um not <laughs> my favorite genre but um growing up he he self-taught as well so he played the guitar um as well as the bass um, and so seeing him and, and hearing that music and feeling that music, it just, it was a total influence, um, for me to, to pick up a guitar or when I was in school, pick up the violin, just because the, the reverberations off of those two, um, instruments, it just, you can feel it. I don't know how to explain it other than to say, I can feel it in my soul. Like it, it just feels good. Um, so because my dad brought that obviously to the table or, um, he brought that into my life, like that, that was the huge influence he had on me when it came to music. Okay. And did you ever get to watch him? Did you ever watch him play? I did. Yeah. We, we went to several of his gigs, if you will. Um, he played, um, a couple of times. So my hometown has this, well, not anymore, but it used to have this, um, little theme park. It wasn't anything like six flags or Disney or anything, but it was called Lake Ontario park. 
um, and there were a few rides there and there was a bandstand there. And, um, my dad played there several times and we got to see him there. Um, he also did like wedding gigs. Um, and he would just do, um, we have like the VFW in the States, um, in Canada, we have the Legion, um, and he would, his band would play at the Legion as well. Um, so if it was family friendly days, we were allowed to go, but being that little, if it was nighttime Legion parties and stuff, obviously I couldn't go. So, but yeah, we saw him, we saw him play several times live. Excellent. That's a, that's excellent. And it made him, so you could see the, the joy that it brought him to be up and performing in front of, uh, you know, an audience. Yeah, absolutely. He, he completely loved it. Wow, that's that is amazing. So it looks like you've had some influences for you um, throughout your, you know, musical influences throughout your life. So what I want to talk a little bit about now is we're going to talk about influence of music and and how we, how can we connect music and leadership and influence kind of together. And so I found something and it said, "Great leaders inspire and move people." Okay. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. like great music. Absolutely. You know, so when we talk about the leader, we're talking about the leader is, so who's the leader of a band generally? Well, generally everyone assumes that it's the lead singer. Right. Right. Okay. So the lead singer and then who else is like kind of a leadership thing that, can, that you can think of? Well, hmm. It depends on, on what angle you're going for. Because to me, if I hear the bass line, I think the bass line is the one that leads the entire song. Um, because if the bass line speeds up, the music speeds up. If the bass line slows down, the music slows down. So the other leader in that group is definitely the bassist. Okay. And that's the, the beauty of, uh, you know, of leadership influence and in music is kind of, some things are a perspective thing too, right? So what I was thinking is the songwriter. And, and, and here's why. So as a singer and a songwriter, it's my job to take that music and touch the audience. Right. Right. To touch them, uh, you know, and to get some emotion uh, from from the audience. So that's when I think of, you know, I think of those two as kind of the leader. But then when you flip it into leadership, that's kind of the same thing a leader wants from their subordinates. Right. To, it is, yeah. To get some kind of an emotion, touch their heart, you know? Right. Uh, and then, you know, and, and so that's what the leader, you know, singer, songwriter. So there's a there's a little connection, right? There is. There is. Now, my, my take on that, though, is that, like, it depends on who the songwriter is. Because if it isn't someone in that group, if it's someone outside of that group writing that song, it still takes that group to make that song touch people. So it could, it's just words on paper until that group takes it and makes it theirs and makes it relatable to their listeners. Okay. Yeah. So again, so now I'm going to flip it. Ready? I'm going to do, th <laughs> this is working out great because now I'm going to flip it into, you know, uh, uh, leadership in the organization because uh, guidance, regulation, whatever, the rules of the organization, the procedures of the organization, that stuff is just what you said. It's just stuff on paper until the leader executes the plan. Absolutely. And, and motivates and inspires or influences their subordinates. And then it becomes something 
better. That's excellent. Thank you. You led right into it for me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. And and basically what we're talking about though, so if, to put it in music terms and leadership terms, right? We're making sure the as a leader or an influencer that everyone is on the same sheet of music. Would you agree? I would say yes. Okay. And so in in the importance of that is everybody has to know their role. So when everybody knows their role in an organization, let's think about where you work at, all right? And we don't have to say where you work at, but when everybody in your organization knows their role, what's the outcome? <laughs> well, the outcome is harmony. Like, I have written, that's it. I have written on Take this it. paper. <laughs> We're in uh -huh. different rooms. We're not together. Harmony. <laughs> nope, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have harmony. Excellent. So go ahead and continue on about harmony. Um, well, no, I was I was going to add to that though, is that harmony is also like if if we're all working together, if everyone knows their roles, everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing, yes, you get harmony, but you've also got to be open to interpretation. Because when it comes to say music, I can hear a song and it can mean one thing to me, but it can mean that same song can mean something entirely different to you. Whereas um, your leader in the workplace or your influencer in the workplace needs to be aware of who they are talking to in order to make sure that there isn't um, a, a miscommunication or, or a misinterpretation of what is being given or what is being presented. Um, because with music, that's, that's a beautiful thing about music is that it's just music and everyone can interpret it differently, but in the workplace words and, and guidance and leadership, um, that's all interpretation as well. So you have to make sure that, that you're reaching your audience, um, when it comes to the workplace. Yeah, no, I agree. And what you know, it's funny when we talk about making sure everyone's on the same sheet of music. I think about uh, you, you remember the, the Muppet Show? Yep. <laughs> and the band, the band would be playing, and they'd be playing like this soothing song, and who would lose control? Animal. <laughs> An animal would just go bananas on the drums, and it's like chaos, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the best part. <laughs> it, so it's the best part on the Muppets, but. You don't want the random drummer in your organization. No, absolutely not. Right? So understanding the roles. Excellent. Excellent. Man, this is really working out. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So during the song, you have a section of the song that's repeated over and over. And what's that called? The chorus. The chorus, right? Yep. And it's nothing super complicated. Usually it's catchy and you repeat it and repeat it over and over. And what's that breed when we hear that over and over? I don't know what, what you're looking for. How many songs do you know the chorus to, but you really don't know all the words to? Oh, tracking. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about now. Right? So <laughs> yep. it, it, it breeds familiarity. You know the chorus. You may not Absolutely. remember the song, um, but you're familiar with it. And so how do you think that that would work in a organization? Well, geez, just go ahead and put me on the spot. Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, I can't do all the uh, the, the leadership talking because you're you're a leader too. So, uh... well, in the in the workplace, as long as I don't like saying as long as um, when the information is put out, um, your employees or subordinates um, or colleagues 
as long as everyone hears the same thing over and over again, like with the chorus of a song, they understand and they, they know what is expected, what is needed, um, what has to get done. And, and it, just it becomes second nature to them just like us listening to the chorus of a song is second nature we don't need prompts on the words anymore we know it by heart um and that's that's how it can work within an organization as well that and that's excellent so and you haven't had the opportunity to listen to the leadership capital episode yet because we haven't released it and i don't let you have sneak peeks so um (laughs) but one of the things that that does is so for me let's say i'm your supervisor right and we we understand the chorus as a team. Well, when I have to step away, I know the chorus is still going to be played. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Because nothing changed. You just you just left the situation, but the song still keeps playing, and the chorus is still the same. Absolutely. Uh, let's think about a concert you and I saw together. We saw the I Love the '90s tour, right? Absolutely. Yep. And Salt and Pepper <laughs> was performing, and they're a little older yep. now because this was just last year, right? Mm-hmm. And Salt and Pepper left the stage to get water, right? Catch their breath because they were still dancing. Yep. And Spinderella, the DJ, kept playing the the it's the hook or the chorus, right? Absolutely. Yep. Did we miss anything? Nope, not a thing. They stepped away. Did Did Spinderella forget what song she was playing? Not at all. No. Because she knew, she knew what was going on. She knew this is how it goes. Yep. So she had that familiarity. That's absolutely important in an organization. And that's, so I'm, I'm, we're really, what we're doing together is we're working through these things in music and we're showing how they can teach you as a influencer and as a leader in your organization. Uh, this is one of my favorites. And this is Brian's favorite as well. All right, so I'm putting together a band, and I'm putting together, let's say I'm putting together a classical music band. Probably, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, like, strings, and I'm looking for, you know, brass. And I go out, and I sign Slash from Guns N' Roses to join my classical music band. Okay. Right? What do you think the fit's yep. going to be? <laughs> with your classical music band you've got slash on guitar on lead guitar no yes. less um you picked a phenomenal guitarist um and i believe the fit would just be like knife through butter it would be perfect because slash can take direction um, slash can understand what's expected and he can follow through meticulously. Okay. All right. I'll even give you that because <laughs> I picked the wrong person. We went a different route, but what I was trying to get at is you have to be able to pick the right player, right? So let's say, I, let's say I hire right. slash to, um, I hired him to play the violin. <laughs> Maybe right. not. Right. So, yeah, but, but go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) But here's, here's, here's where it gets tricky because do you know all of Slash's capabilities? Because if you don't know that he can play a stringed instrument like a violin or a cello or um, a, a, a standing bass and he can, 
then he's still going to fit in perfect. So you need to know more of the background, more of the components of the person or individual that you're adding um, in order to make sure that you're going to have the perfect classical arrangement. Now, now you're leading me right into what I wanted to talk about. Talent management, right? I have to understand who he is because I may be picking the perfect guy, even though to look at it and say, okay, this is what he plays. There's no way he's going to fit. Right. Maybe I know something that you don't. So within the organization, what role does the right player being inserted or talent management play? So think about where you've worked through your 40 plus years. uh, And what role do you think having good talent management plays? I think it's, it's the most important role. Um, Because if you don't have that good talent or that good management in place, then everything else just falls apart. Um, If you have toxic management, you can pretty much kiss that that entire um, scenario goodbye Um, because nobody wants to work for somebody who's toxic. Um, but if you have somebody who's who's the right person in the right place at the right time doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, it goes back to that harmony. They make the harmony um, for everyone around them and everyone else includes themselves in that harmony. So you want to work for that person who knows what they're doing, who 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 respects you as the individual as well and who knows what you can do and, and knows how to, to make the, the music flow like it should. That's excellent. Yeah, no, that's, you're absolutely correct. Talent management to me is, I don't know if I would, if I personally believe it's the most important, but it is very important and it is up there. If it's not the most, it's maybe second, but it's up there because yeah, you can't put a square peg in a round hole. No, absolutely not. You know, so that's um, important. And, and you you actually lead us into this next point. So name a band that has broken up because somebody got bigger than the band. We haven't got all day for this. I could sit and name like <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of bands. Um, if I had to think of a really, really good one, though... Um, I believe we just saw a biopic about one. Right. Yeah. And I was thinking of that, but so, okay. So obviously there's queen. Um, and, but, but that's kind of different because Freddie Mercury didn't think that he was bigger than the band and he didn't go on and become bigger than queen. Um, he was just influenced. Mm -hmm. There you go. Um, he had outside influence that was telling him he needed to do that. Um, and it obviously didn't work out the way he wanted it to. Um, if I think of other bands, there's so many, there's like guns and roses, um, because Axl Rose got this great big head. He thought he was phenomenal. He went off to do his own thing and failed. Um, who else was there? Like, there's so many and I'm drawing blanks because there's so many there's George Michael and wham like George Michael left wham because he got bigger. Now, granted that did work. You know, George Michael was just George Michael. You can't compare, um, which, you know, the Beatles, the Beatles. Well, yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. (laughs) So basically what I'm getting at is, um, you know, 
these bands broke up because somebody didn't want to let others in the band shine. They didn't want to share, you know, they say share the spotlight, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So in an organization, this is something that, you know, uh, actually Jocko in his book talks about uh, controlling your ego because that's what this is to me. This is, you need to be able to control your ego. Hey, if I'm not the best person for this tasking, then maybe I should let Tammy handle uh, being the lead for inventories or, and I just popped in cause I know you were just on inventories, but right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you gotta let other people shine, you know? So what do you think happens when we don't let other people shine, say inside an organization, you've probably seen this maybe in your, uh, in your working career, you might be able to provide an example for this. Well, if you don't let them shine, you stifle an individual. They they become unhappy. They don't want to work anymore. They don't want to perform. They don't want to be part of that harmony, um, and they just feel less than. Like they're they're not appreciated, and and so then they begin to look for work or for where they'll be appreciated in other areas rather than staying and working for your company. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. You know, it's got to be bigger than you. And, you know, one of the things that I learned throughout my military career is when you go to an organization, when it's time for you to leave, you want to leave the organization better than you found it. So we can't be focused on individual success and, and, you know, in the military awards and uh, evaluations and all that stuff. We got to be focused on big picture. What can I do to help? my organization so that it can be better when I leave. And, right. and and that's something in music, you know, you see that like, look at these bands, your name in major queen is a major band. Right. And yeah, he had an outside influence, but he still kind of in the end left because he believed he didn't need them because that's what he was influenced to believe. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Um, so you got to be willing to let other people shine in an organization, just like in a band. Hey, uh, you know, bands where you have a lead singer and then maybe there's songs where somebody else in the band sings. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, oh, it sounds like you might be able to. <laughs> well, you had said the Beatles and that was just it. Like there was three singers in the Beatles. There was George Harrison, there was Paul McCartney, and there was John Lennon. Um, so they shared from, for the majority of their careers, they shared the spotlight. Now, you know, George Harrison didn't get a whole lot of that share, but he still did get some of that share. So they were, they were happy and content. Yeah. And then they came to the United States and we ruined them. And (laughs) (laughs) Yoko ruined them. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Okay. Um, so when you go, what's a concert you've gone to and there was like a mass audience participation and what was it? Mass audience participation. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with the last, the very last concert we went to, which was the Taylor Swift. Um, (laughs) she put on such an amazing concert. Like she interacted with every single person in the audience because of these little bracelets that she, she had everyone given at, at the start when they walked 
through the gates and they all lit up and she was like, I can see all of you. And, and so that was cool. And then she got on this rig and she kind of flew across the stadium to another stage. And so she was down at the end of the stadium to, with all of those fans. And then she's, she moved to a third stage where she just walked through the crowd. It wasn't like security or anything like that. The crowd just opened up for her and they let her walk through and they didn't bug her. And yeah, that was like that concert was absolutely amazing okay and you know i I believe at that concert they did the cell phone thing which we see nowadays back in our day it would have been people putting their their lighters lighters up so (laughs) when the lighters go up right think about even even if you've only seen on television the lighter goes up does everybody put them up at the same time or is it like a gradual thing it's uh it depends on the song um because if it's a slow song, then everyone knows, oh, yeah, pull out your lighter. That's <laughs> it. Get it up. Or now pull out your cell phone. Get it up. Um, but then there's instances like outside of music even. Um, if you look at um, the WWE, there's a character, Bray Wyatt. He comes out and everyone's cell phones instantly light up because he's got this thing where the cell phone, the lights are like fireflies. And everyone knows as soon as his music hits turn that cell phone on, get that light up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's unwritten knowledge. Like you just know. And, and like I said, as soon as that music, there's the music, as soon as it hits, you know what's expected and, and it's unspoken, um, but it's completely natural and that's how it works. Oh, I like it. Unspoken, completely natural. Uh, and, and that's what we want as influencers we want it to be natural that's why we talk about it so much on this show um and and we we try to learn from each other on this show because we want it to be uh something that's natural you know something that just happens um and and then you want to be committed to it and people who are like have um people that commit they're, they're a little bit different, but they're also contagious. And that's kind of what you see when you see that mass audience participation, right? So even if, uh, you know, if if the front row starts putting up their cell phones and then it starts spreading and you can see it through the whole arena, you'll see this uh, this coming weekend, even though this is going to be aired much later, this coming weekend is the Super Bowl, and you'll see it during the performance of the Super Bowl where it's like lights start popping up and then there's more and more and more, and it's contagious. And that commitment and enthusiasm, that's what we as influencers want to bring to our organization and make it contagious. So when you go to work, if you're enthusiastic about work, what's going to be the outcome, Tammy? I'm going to want to go to work and I'm going to do work. I'm going to be productive. Okay. And now you're a supervisor. What's the outcome for your, your uh, subordinates? <laughs> well, if I'm the supervisor, I'm going to influence them and inspire them and make them feel just as good as me. And they are going to want to perform. And that is 100% correct. Your enthusiasm and commitment is 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 contagious. contagious. <laughs> and it can be the opposite. You know, I had I talked about before on another show, I had a soldier. If that soldier came to work in a foul mood. It was going to be contagious, and my whole section, my whole platoon was going to be in bad moods, and people weren't going to talk to each other all day long because that one soldier had that kind of 
influence over the people she worked with that she would just come to work and, oh, it's going to be a bad day. But if she came to work smiling and joking, going to be a great day for everybody. So right. that, and that's something that's influenced. We have to understand is that, that contagious nature of commitment and enthusiasm. Uh, and we kind of talked about the last point I want to get into, it, and then we're going to go over a few more things. Uh, commit yourself to a bigger cause than yourself. And we talked about that with Freddie Mercury, right? Yeah, he was outstanding. He had a great voice because his mouth was strange or something. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the inf- outside influences really got him and the darkness uh, that he fell into. But you have to, as a uh, influencers, you have to commit. Some, some things are bigger than than Ed and Tammy. Would you agree? Absolutely, yes. Okay, and and so in your organization, right, as a supervisor, uh, what are some, some instances in your career that you could think of where you had to commit to something bigger than yourself? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Told you it wouldn't be easy today. <laughs> yeah, no. All right, so when you talk about committing yourself to something bigger than yourself, let's think about... What was a major, major concert in the 80s? Major. In the 80s? Yes, where the, would... art, where the artist committed to something bigger than themselves. Uh, the only one I could think of, the biggest one ever in the 80s, was the Michael Jackson tour. No, this is many, many artists. As a matter oh, of fact, okay, so you're talking Queen about... performed. Yeah, you're talking about Live Aid. Absolutely, right? Yeah. Live Aid. Those artists didn't make a lot of money on Live Aid. They raised a lot of money to feed the hungry uh, in Africa at the time. So they committed to something that was bigger uh, than the band. And as leaders, we have to be able to do that too. Like everything can't be about our own self improvement or, you know, uh, you just got to be willing to, to make a sacrifice, I, I guess, would be a, a good example. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of those artists, they didn't even know um, up until like, I think it was the the two or three days before they didn't know if Queen was even going to show up and play. Um, and they they knew, okay, so we'll get on the stage, we'll have like 12 minutes, so we'll be able to perform like three songs and we're not getting paid because all of the money that we're trying to pull in is going all to Africa. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, um, bigger than any of the bands, any of the acts that performed or, and, and participated. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's true. And I remember it as a kid, it was such a big deal. It's on like every channel. Um, yeah, I remember that concert. I don't remember watching it. I probably didn't watch it. I was probably, probably playing with my GI Joes or something at that point, but <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we talked a lot about we so we we just talked about a few things how we can we can kind of correlate leadership with um influence and with music, right? So here's here's a tough question for you. Uh-oh. We talked about your quote. But yes. but absolute raw straight from Tammy. What does music mean to you? <sighs> music is life. It's kind of like a, a life force to me. It, it's like with Jane Austen's quote, like if I, 
if if there wasn't any music, I don't know who I would be or 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 what I would be. Um, I sit, you know, like at, there are days where just background noise, it's always got to be music, um, unless I'm turning the TV on. Um, but it, it doesn't matter. It's got to be some form of music. I mean, we're over here in Europe, and I drive you absolutely <laughs> nuts when I play AFN radio. Um, but it's just music. Um, it is my life force. Um, and I think I, I say that because it doesn't matter what it is. Like you can think of any song and you relate it to something in your life. Um, like we said earlier, like I can, I can think of a country song and be like, oh yeah, my dad liked this band. Or I can, um, think of a, a rock song and be like, oh, that's the concert I so wanted to see. Um, every song that I hear, I always think of something that relates to that song. And it doesn't have to be a song I even heard before. Um, it, as long as it's music, it's touching me and it's part of my soul. And, and that's just, that's what music is to me. It's, it's, it's my life force and it's part of my soul. Oh, I like that. Um, I, I kind of think that, you know, one, music can transcend culture because you could listen to music. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beat guy. I, I like beat. Sometimes sometimes I don't listen to the lyrics. I can listen to music in in German, right, mm-hmm. where they're singing about stuff from their experiences growing up. And, I mean, I can enjoy that just because whatever the beat is or, or, or what have you. And then right. um, the other thing is um, – I think that you can learn from music. So I wish I listened to lyrics more because there's lyrics out there that, that provide some great insight into being a better person. You could be, you know, a better leader. Um, and also it can, so listening to different genres, which is something I learned from my brother because I was straight, just R and B hip hop person. I started listening to some other genres because of my brother and his influence. Uh, he got me to listen to like Lincoln park, fallout boy, and just totally other end of the spectrum for what I listen to. And when you listen to different genres and artists, you can kind of get more, you, you're more emotionally dynamic. You're getting a better understanding of other people's emotions and, and how they feel. And there's so much emotion in music and people are telling stories. And so I wish I could listen to lyrics a little more closely. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Um, you know, and and actually, I was just reading something the other day, and it was talking about uh, emotions, and it was talking about uh, Black Eyed Peas, the Black Eyed Peas song "Where Is the Love," and in it, when you talk about emotions, you'll find you'll find confusion, you'll find some some hate, some love, some irritation, disappointment, you know. Um, in that song. So when you start listening to some of these songs, you can find some great emotion. And, and I think that's, that would help me as a leader develop a little bit more. So, all right, we're going to ask, like like any, sorry, any music. Um, it's, it's kind of like an expression of humanity. Um, Billy Joel had a quote actually that I absolutely loved. And it said, or he said, 
I think music in itself is healing. It's an explosive expression of humanity. It's something we are all touched by. No matter what culture we're from, everyone loves music. So when that takes it back to you, you saying about, you know, listening to songs in German, it's a different culture and, and, um, listening to the black IP song about all the different emotions, it's all humanity and it's all cultures and, and music just touches everyone everywhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, I like what you had said earlier about, you know, kind of it, music can take you to a place. Like I, I cannot hear, uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince summertime without <laughs> going back to my senior year of high school, age of myself. Right. Uh, it takes me back there though. And I remember the starter shirts and I remember spending all that time on the basketball court. And so it gives you a good, uh, feeling, a good emotion. So, yeah. And, and that's why, I mean, music is, um, music is great. I, I like it to calm down, you know, um, I'm, I'm a little older. I'm far from a savage beast, but music can calm me down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yes, it can. So before we wrap up, I'm going to give you some bonus questions today. Uh, so, so we've established that your favorite artist or band is Duran Duran. Yes. And you talked about two songs from them, Hungry Like the Wolf and Rio. But what is your absolute favorite song? Oh, yeah. Like any band, any genre, any time. Absolute just favorite song ever. That's a hard one. That's a really, really hard one. Um, <laughs> I would, you know what? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to have to say it's um, a pink song. Um, okay. And I'm drawing a blank on what it's called. Shoot, why can't I think of the name of it? Family portrait. That's it. Exactly. See, you know me, you know me. Um, I also know the pink uh, catalog. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why I say that um, is because, so that song obviously talks about um, a dysfunctional family, right? Like the, the little girl, it's from her perspective about um, the, the dad and mom fighting all the time. And um, it just, it's a depressing song, but it touches me because, you know, growing up, my mom and dad, um, they didn't have the best relationship. Um, and so when she's singing the words, like the, it's, it's actually the words that touch me. It's not the music, um, because it, it makes me feel and it makes me remember. And even though it's not a pleasant memory, I still feel it. And that lets me know that I'm alive. Like I'm, I'm still here. I'm still in the music. I'm still in the moment. And that pink has, has brought that back to me and has said something, um, or, or come from where I've been that makes that song my favorite song, just because it makes me feel all of that all at once. Okay, I I really like that song too. I think it has a strong, powerful message. But there we go again. Now we're you're associating music with kind of with your childhood, right? So mm -hmm. that song takes you back to that place. Absolutely. Uh, best concert you've ever attended? My very first one, <laughs> um, and that would be 
the honeymoon suite platinum blonde concert in like i think it was 1985 <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't know those bands they're two canadian bands and uh yeah so they were they were it in the 80s and because it was my first concert um it was an experience that i that i could never ever relive because it was first right so yeah it was my absolute favorite okay What's a time that music helped you through something difficult? Um, yeah, that would have to be, um, so my mom passed away in 2009 from stomach cancer. Um, and I turned to Duran Duran, um, because mom, growing up, mom always thought I was crazy. She, she couldn't say the, the band members names, right. She would always mix them up. And, um, she always thought that I liked Simon Le Bon and she didn't know that, you know, John Taylor was the only one that mattered. <laughs> um, so listening to that music again, associated with a memory, um, and it didn't, you know, music didn't heal me or, or, fix the problem. Um, it just kind of, it helped me deal with the loss of my mom, um, in that I could smile while grieving at the same time because of the memory that, that Duran Duran and the music, um, has in my heart and, and, and in my mind. Excellent. Yeah. That's, I remember that period to it. So I remember like, Lots and lots of Duran Duran. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you have anything uh, before we close out that you'd like to say to the audience? Um, no, but you might want to add to this. You never asked me who my biggest influence was. So would you like to say anything to the audience before we end this? <laughs> um, just keep playing music. Okay. And the final thing that we do when we have guests, uh, I need you to tell me three influencers in your life. Three of them? Three. Past, present, doesn't matter. Oh, okay. So first and foremost, it would have to be my mom. Um, you know, she, she struggled um, when she was growing up and when I was growing up, um, she dropped out of school, um, when she was in the 10th grade, um, and she worked, um, she, she did everything she could to make it into a government position. Um, and she finally did, uh, and, and she still, you know, struggled. She, she worked as much as she could in order to make sure that, that she provided for my sister and I, um, and one of the things that she always said to me was that she wanted me to be better than her. And, you know, at the time you don't think of it because you're a kid, you're a teenager, you're like, Psh, whatever, mom, you know, but, um, she was the one who pushed me to go to college. She pushed me to get my degree. Um, she wanted to make sure that I was set up for so much more than she was. Um, and so hearing her say that, that she, she didn't want me to be like her. She wanted me to be better. Um, that kind of drove me, um, her words gave me the drive to be successful. 
um, although it didn't happen right away, you know, I, I failed a few times and fell flat on my face, but my mom was there to pick me up and say, you know, here, dust yourself off and get back on the path. And, you know, so she, she gave me the drive, I guess, to be more than, um, and it also like her saying that also gave me the drive to, to, um, to try and, and, and make my mother proud of me. Like I always, I always wanted her to be happy with my choices or, or to say, yeah, Tammy, you done good. You know, like that was just a huge thing for me. So, um, my mom being that influential with me, um, is just absolutely amazing to me because, you know, she, she didn't have much of anything and, and she made so much out of nothing at all. So my mom is my, my number one influence first and foremost. Okay. Excellent. Um, second, let's see. Second would have to be, um, my seventh grade teacher, Mr. Turcott. Um, he, <laughs> he was so influential in, um, my education. He taught us from day one, um, Latin and the classics. Um, I had to read, um, Treasure Island in his class. We read the 39 steps in his class. Um, it was, through him that I first found, um, Jane Austen and, um, I didn't understand <laughs> the written word at the time. Um, he would break it down for us, but it's still, you know, seventh grade, it's still a little bit over your head, but, um, he just, he took the time to make sure that we were educated beyond, um, what the academic requirements were. Um, he also taught us calligraphy. Like he was the teacher that cared. He was the, the teacher that I take forward with me everywhere I go because, um, because of him it's, it's the classics. And I know so much more. He actually, I think it was him that instilled my drive for knowledge. So, you know, you call me a vast book of useless knowledge <laughs> because if, 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 if there's something presented to me and I don't know what it is, I have to know what it is. So I, I, I drive myself to learn what it is. I'll look it up. Like, cell phones are, are one of the worst creations ever because we always have them in our hands and we always have access to the internet and everything. But for me, if you say something to me and I don't know what it is, I immediately turn to my cell phone and I'm Googling it. I'm trying to figure out what, why, where, when, and how. Um, and it's cause Mr. Turcott, he always asked those questions. Um, so yeah, he's definitely my second biggest influence ever. I think third, and this is going to, I don't know that it'll sound cheesy or not, but third, I would say is all of the military wives before me, um, because they've been through this as well. They laid the stones and the foundation, um, for wives to support their husbands, whether they're at, on the home front or abroad. 
um, they've gone through some of the worst deployments ever. They've lost their their significant others, um, or they they've lost them physically, or they've lost them mentally. Um, but they were still there. They're still the backbone. Um, so I would say that they are my third greatest influence because if I could only be half of the woman that some of them were, then I know I'm accomplishing something. Okay. I like, uh, I like the last one. And, you know, immediately I thought about how Moore's wife, um, because, you know, she was a big driving force in Vietnam for casualty notification and it becoming what we know today. So I immediately, uh, Thought of, thought of her when you were talking about the uh, army wives that came before you. So, yeah, no, that's excellent, excellent point. All right, any final thoughts now? Um, nope, I think I'm good. How about you? <laughs> well, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask that the audience, the audience, hey, let's get uh, get active on the social media. We're all over social media. You can find us at instinctiveinfluencers.com. That's our website. And then social media, one-on-one influence on Facebook. Go to the page, like, and share the page. And uh, Instinctive Influencers on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And then Brian and I both have our own individual pages. If you post anything, a comment, a review, a question, uh, we do read them. We are putting together a Q&A show right now. But uh, actually, Tammy, who joined me today and uh, – as a co-host, her and Brian's wife, Michelle, they read the the comments as well as us, so somebody will respond to you. But definitely get involved. Um, come along on this journey with us. Today we kind of went a different format because I had my guest co-host, who I would like to take this opportunity to thank very much, Tammy, for helping me out. It was my pleasure. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, music has an influence, and in, and the way bands and music is organized, you can you can flip it and make it make sense for you as a leader and an influencer in your organization. Until next time, this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. I am Ed. Thanks for listening.